Welcome back to the Broncos Avenue podcast. This is Amir from Broncos Avenue on Instagram and Twitter. Joined with my co-host Trayton today. Um, we are going to be, uh, this is our instant reaction to the loss against the New York Jets. The Broncos dropped to an embarrassing, abysmal 2-5 and five record. And it's looking absolutely um, horrible from here on out. Um, the Broncos are on a four-game losing streak now. And it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. Um, the Broncos were without uh, Russell Wilson today, who um, on our last podcast, we weren't sure who was starting, but it got announced um, yesterday uh, around afternoon that Rhett Rippin was going to be starting this game. Um, the Broncos gave Rippin the majority of the first team reps over the, the um, course of this week in practice. And um, it was also announced that Russell Wilson has a partially torn hamstring um, that puts his um, status for uh, London's game next week's uh, game in London against the Jacksonville Jaguars very much in doubt. Um, and so it looks like the Broncos will have to go uh, into London with Rippin as a starter again. But um, today, very, 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 very bad loss. Um, 16 and 9 was the final score. Um, the Broncos weekly uh, showing that they can um, like barely score a touchdown and then. Um, do nothing after that. Um, it just from all facets of the offense. Um, by the way, our defense is just insane. They, week in and week out, they play outstanding. Um, they had a, a big. Uh, they gave up a big sixty-two yard run to Brees Hall, which was it was bound to happen given the fact that our offense does not play complimentary football worth a shit at all. Does not do our defense any favors. Um, that was bound to happen when, you know, your defense is always on the field. Um, I thought there were some good things in the first half. They they were dominating the time of possession, which I, we talked about in the last podcast. Um, I wanted to see us go back to our week one offense where we were getting the ball out fast, um, kind of playing the short game in terms of passing, stick to the run game, establish your play action, and build long, sustained drives. I wanted the Broncos to get back to that. And they showed that in the, in the first quarter-ish. Um, and, you know, especially that uh, touchdown drive, that was one of the best drives um, all season that the Broncos had on the Latavius Murray touchdown run. But, um, yeah, just the offense uh, overall, it's the same thing. Even with uh, Brett Rippon as a starter, it still looks so bad. Um, easily the worst offense in the NFL. It's insane that we have, like, arguably the best defense and the worst offense. Um, I don't I don't know where you go from here. Um I I would like to uh, announce that I am officially out on Hackett. Um, I thought mid I thought midway through the game he was calling a really good plays, um, and he was setting up the receivers. You know I saw Jerry Judy open a lot today. Um, Sutton Sutton was kind of smothered by Sauce Gardner the most of the game, which was expected. Um, but yeah, I thought that he was calling some he was calling some good plays. There were some questionable decisions like. Um, the one where they called the play action pass on third and one in the second half. And after that, it just kind of went downhill. But for me, for my reason that I'm uh, joining, um, you know, the part of the Broncos fan base uh, that is out on Hackett, my reason isn't the play calling. Um, like in terms of like schematics, like drawing wide receivers open and like the way his outside zone scheme works. Um, my My reasoning for this is, just him as a leader, I don't feel like he's the right leader for this team. 
Um, I think he's a great guy. Um, I appreciate him like trying to uh, help change the culture. Um, it feels like this has been more of a brotherhood and like um, it's been great relationships on and off the field uh, in the locker room with Hackett and these guys, as opposed to what we saw with Pangio. But it just feels like there's no accountability being held. It feels like there's no um, discipline. Um, it feels like this team just is poorly coached. That's what I see on this field. We've been trying to figure out what's going wrong for this offense over you know the course of this whole season through seven weeks. And I just feel like it's a very, very poorly coached team on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and while I say I'm out and hack it, that doesn't mean I want him tomorrow morning to be fired um, just because I don't see a better solution for the rest of the season. I'm going to stick by that. I don't care if we lose every single game from here on out. He shouldn't be fired till at least after the season because in terms of what you're doing offensively, you're going to get the same thing out of Justin um, out and, and with your offensive play calling. Um, and I don't know if Ezra Overo is going to be a better leader than him for this team. He seems like more of a quiet guy, um, but I don't know. I just don't feel like the solution uh, that would help this team get back on the track is firing Nathaniel Hackett. But I, when, I, when I say I'm out on Hackett, um, I believe that he is not the future for this team. I don't think he's going to help us ever, ever build a, a deep playoff run. Um, and if we ever do, it's going to be Russ carrying the living shit out of this team. Um, and I think another thing that we saw today, um, Russ is Russ is a much he puts us in a much better position to win, as if that's not obvious um, already. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and stop uh, ranting here. I'm going to let you uh, uh, voice your opinion on this game trading. Well, uh, I mean, a lot to unpack right off the top. Um, I, and I, I even I texted you before this game and I said. Uh, depending on how the offense looks today, I think this is going to give us a great idea um, on how much weight exactly uh, that, like, how much weight of this offense has seven weeks, how much of that is on Russ's, and how much of that is on. I still do think that a, I think a healthy amount of it is on Russ still. Um, I mean, the phone doesn't lie. Uh, but, and, and that, that's what we've seen through, through six games of Russ is just him missing throws, missing throws, not being accurate, making decisions he's never made, uh, previously in his career. And that's one other thing I'd like to touch on too, after I've gone back and watched all six games, the all 22 and I, I, it's just excluding week one, uh, there are just like Russ is making decisions that you, you just haven't seen him make in his career up to this point. Um, I've never seen mental regression from a quarterback like that, but, um, now with the game, like the game today, uh, we still saw the same issues and, uh, and two, one thing I'd also like to point out is the offensive line. I wouldn't say that they were great. Maybe not even good. They, they improved played, a lot this week. They, they, appro- they improved a hell of a lot this week. Against a tough D, uh, Jets D-line, too. And, yeah, and so – but – and one thing that I noticed, too, it, one thing I, I, I've i kind of looked at as one of the big problems with this offense is that, I mean, just on a play-to-play basis, we're throwing so many routes that take so long to develop. Dude, I love, I love that you said that off the mic, and I love that you said that. That's actually one thing – that really didn't occur to me too much. I was talking about how we need to get things more in the short game. But the fact that you said we're in like the beginning of the season with Russ, we're developing too many like plays where 
it was just taking so long for the routes to develop and it was all like downfield. Well, we're not giving these like this playbook that we had today and the, the game plan. We, we haven't done this for Russ. We did it like the first half against Seattle, but like not even as much. Well, and, and one thing, and one thing I'd like to point out about that Seattle game too, is I, I wouldn't say, and definitely they ran, you know, they ran the quick game a lot more in volume week one. Um, just volume wise. Yeah. It was way more prevalent and obviously it worked. Um, but I, I would also like to point out, you know, that's week one. And I think yeah, most people, you know, most people go by this ideology. Week one is the biggest liar ever. Yeah. Um, so the way I look at it and definitely I would love to see the quick game being used uh, in higher volume regardless. But, uh, and like I said, I, I've gone back and watched all six games before this. Um, like I've, I went back and watched the L22 um, again. And what I noticed is that, yes, it was working against Seattle. But um, and then something I've also seen throughout the rest of the games is, yes, we've we've almost completely abandoned the quick the quick game, but it has zero creativity to it. Um, I mean, it's just it's basically just different variations of the play stick. Um and that that is a that is an actual play. Any like your average Madden, Madden. player, uh, yeah. I mean, that's your average Madden player knows what that is, and it's just like that's all that's all our quick game is right now is just different variations of that play. Um, and and that obviously that's not going to cut it. So, uh, I mean, and there there's that right off the top, but and then also uh, when you're offensive line, and I think this is one big reason why Russ has struggled so much, and then two why we're playing behind the sticks so much is because when you have these long, when you have these routes that take so long to develop, and then also you have no time in the pocket, that that's just a recipe for disaster. What and what do you do when you see that your offensive line is? Uh, struggling, you you need to scheme up plays to get the ball out of Russ's hands quick or ripping whoever's at quarterback. Obviously, it was better today, uh, but still, through six weeks, you've seen nothing but the O line struggle consistently. Why are we not utilizing it more, and why are we not being more creative with it? And um, you know, and and that's just the bottom line too. After uh, after this game, I mean just plain and simple there are structural issues with this offense uh not only just with the play calling the play calling is still a massive concern uh but it's it's also just lacking creativity explosiveness um and then too i and i actually i I also want to bring this up i saw i saw someone i think it was ryan edwards on twitter uh mention I like, I think something that would be maybe that could provide a spark to this offense is if Hackett gave up play calling duties, uh, which, and if we did see a change probably wouldn't happen until after the bye. but, and that's, that's where I'm at. And I'm trying, I'm trying to stay on track here, just breaking down this game and looking big picture. Um, but I guess I, since you gave your stance on the Hackett situation, I mean, I think everyone knows I've been out on Hackett for a few weeks now, but, um, and again, I've, I've never been out on a coach this quickly, but again, like the, the, the issues that we're seeing with Hackett are just fundamental issues that any, like any, your average football fan should have knowledge of. Uh, these are, 
the it's it's not uh it's not the fact that he is making mistakes it's the degree of it's the severity and degree of the mistakes he's making and it's like these are things that and i've said this a million times on almost every episode we've recorded since the season has started these are fundamental issues that just anybody with basic surface level football knowledge knows and should not struggle with and this is where and this is where it gets tricky uh i i and i I am of the opinion i think a play calling change would be a huge huge spark to this offense but what other option a what other options do you have you have justin outen and exactly and you and then you have Clint Kubiak, and I I actually think I, I mean I think uh, Kubiak would be the best. Yeah, I think he would be a far more suitable option because Outen came from the same exact offensive system, and not that we're going to change the the system, but when you're running when Hackett and Outen both came from the same system, it, I it it's hard for me to believe that uh, their play calling tendencies would be much different, and so. With that, you're left in a situation, okay, let's say Hackett gives up play-calling duties. Sure, provides a spark to the offense. What is Hackett doing at that point? Game management. Now he's going to give up play-calling duties, and I and not that that is going to happen, but I think it's something that needs to happen. And if it does happen, what is he doing at that point? Like, what is he there to do? He's just standing on the sidelines. I, I like I and I that's what I mean. I don't know where you go from here. And then also, and like I said, uh, or and like we've said, uh, hat firing Hackett. And I know people are pissed, angry, and one gone. And I, I, I think you and I do just like we want him gone just as badly as anybody else does. But firing him in the middle of the season, I, I just don't see what that fixes at all. Yeah, it doesn't fix anything. Um, and then Clint Kubiak, I mean, at this point, we're two and five, like. I don't want to say it. I, I I'm someone who I like to have optimism, you know, for my my team. But two and five in the AFC, there's like literally less than a one percent chance now after today's loss that we somehow go on a long winning streak and slip into play into the playoffs. So at this point, what do you have to lose? So maybe they they roll the dice and see. Like obviously, this is going to be a short week. So like you said, we if we're going to make a play call and change, it's more than likely going to be after the London game and after a bye week. Um, but maybe we roll the dice and see what happens with Clint Kubiak's uh, play calling. But even at that point, it's coming from the same playbook. So, I mean, maybe at this point, maybe you're getting an advantage of situational play calling and just what they're using from the um, playbook and how it works. Or maybe we see him throwing some of his uh, his own plays from uh, his time in Minnesota. But uh, at this point, it's just looking – it's crazy because two and five well, – you know, and even then, I mean, unless they already have some installed, like you said, maybe he, you know, uh, takes a dive into his own playbook and uh, some of his own plays for Minnesota, that would be great. And I'm sure that that, that would bring a, a necessary spark. Like, you want to be game play, like you want to take your bye week, using that to give your players the necessary rest that they need. It is really hard to install new plays in an offense midseason. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's possible. I think it's something that should be worth a try. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure that, like, changing direction as far as, like, schematical, uh, as far as, like, schematically cha- just completely changing direction, uh, I'm not sure that that's what this offense needs. But 
it, it also too I, I it also i could uh be eating my words here in a few weeks if the play calling change does happen because obviously something is working but yeah like you said i think that the like i think the issue is and like you said uh the situational play calling i obviously think that that would be much um because i mean it's situational play call but yeah i mean you get that situation advantage but then I mean, you're still, like you said, you're still calling plays from the same playbook. Uh, and that's where I have, that's where I have hesitation. I feel like the, the, the problems with this offense are mostly structurally just the design of the offense. And then two, I think that there's, I mean, obviously today you can't really give a fair assessment since we had a backup in there. Uh, and then with Russ, we've also seen, we've just seen subpar quarterback play. Um, I think there's a lot of, things that go into just all of our failures offensively and I don't think you can blame it on just one aspect um, I think subpar quarterback play and play calling and then structural design I think those would be the the big three but uh, yeah I and yeah I don't know where you go from here um, and yeah sitting at two and five in the AFC I mean what hope is there to have I mean and I lost hope weeks ago Uh and that's just I am a person where I, for me to have optimism or confidence in something, I have to have a reason to. Um, and I have, they have, the Broncos have given me zero reason to believe that this offense can score over 20 points in a game, let alone 16. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, uh, I'm not trying to dunk on people here, but it, I mean, anybody that does have hope at this point, I mean, I, I, I just, I'm not really sure what you're like waiting for. Uh, unless you're just waiting for something random to click and maybe we start putting up 30 points a game, but that's just not realistic at this point. Yeah, uh, they, they need to make a change because we're just seeing the same result over and over again. It doesn't matter what level of competition it is. Exactly, and I, I'm glad that you pointed that out because my number one thing is trying to gauge the competition level here. Like, I, I could possibly understand, like, for example, you know, Everybody at the time during week three, I don't think we were ready to push the panic buttons yet. Uh, but it, it's just like even like week three, San Francisco, they have a great defense. You know what? It's okay. We figured it out in the fourth quarter. Let's build on it. And I, I thought with how good of a defense they had, maybe maybe it's just the level of competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we go right out and play uh, a very uh, – not only an, an under – just an underperforming Raiders defense, uh, an unhealthy Raiders defense at the time. And then uh, a week after that, we played a Colts defense that had been heavily underperforming and they had their statement game against us. And it's just, yeah, I'm glad that you pointed that out. Level of competition has proved not to be, it doesn't matter. Uh, It doesn't matter from game to game. It's just the off the, our offense is not working. Yeah, it's a it's like a, it's a thing with uh, just the offense and the the coaching and everything because last year we we obviously had experience with Shermer and um, the players that were already on the roster they had some a little bit of experience and we would play a really good opponent like the Chiefs and we would come like we came like neck to neck with them both times we easily very easily could have swept the Chiefs if we're being honest here and. Um, and then even like other tough opponents, like the Bills, they absolutely destroyed us. And then when we had like a, a really easy opponent, sometimes Drew Locke would go out there and, you know, finally show that like 
you know, obviously he isn't the best quarterback and he would take advantage of a bad defense. Um, and then sometimes it would just be like him, like upsetting like the Patriots uh, in Bill Belichick um, that one year. And so it, it has nothing to do with the competition because this year we're seeing the same result against any level of competition. And um, I, I'm just tired of everybody throwing like the blame at certain people. Like um, we, we've heard so many trade rumors about Jerry Judy and him not performing expectations, which I understand can be frustrating, but when you look at the circumstances he's been in this offense, he should he should he should demand a, a damn trade. Like if he was getting the targets every game that he got, like today, where Rippin was actually giving him chances, and you know he's had drop issues. We saw him drop one today, but he can be an elite receiver. I think he is a really elite receiver. I'm always gonna stand. I'm always gonna stand by Jerry Judy. I think he's someone who could mold into like a top fifteen receiver, top even top ten if he really was the focal point of this offense. And maybe Clint Kubiak can do something like how uh, in Minnesota they really they really prioritize Justin Jefferson's uh, role in their offense. Um, it just feels like this offense, this offensive coaching staff, has literally zero IQ on how to utilize the talent on your roster and even how to just gain yards. Like, it's just so unbearable to watch. Um, there's been – the last few weeks I've been just so frustrated, just screaming at the TV and being extremely upset. And today it was, um, it, I was literally just watching that game, knew, knowing what was going to come next, like that final drive, knowing we, we weren't going to put up the touchdown um, and just multiple drives where knowing we're just going to sputter and not be able to build, you know, momentum at all. Um, it's getting so bad. And I want to go back to um, the whole thing with uh, Hackett. Um, obviously we both declared our positions on him and, um, I, I, re I vividly, um, can recall, I remember doing like Instagram lives with you and we were like, uh, during like the head coach interview process, me and you, we both said Kevin O'Connell was our guy. Kevin O'Connell's our guy. And look at what he's doing in Minnesota. He can yep. completely transform their offense. Um, Hackett was like our second option. Um, I would have liked, uh, Mike McDaniel or Brian Dable, I don't understand at all why we didn't give them interviews. That still like pisses me off to this day. I love George Payton. Um, he's made a lot of great decisions for this franchise, but um, the interview process was very, very questionable. Um, he did have uh, O'Connell in his top three, but yeah, I think that's gonna this is gonna haunt this franchise for a while because O'Connell and Russ could have been a really really good duo and I think O'Connell really uh values like individual uh skill talent in um in his offenses he obviously has turned Kirk Cousins um into a solid quarterback um that offense in general just looks really solid um and that we can't figure anything out at all and Justin Jefferson he's utilizing him super super well even with teams trying to double him um and this offense does not know how to like fucking utilize Jerry Judy at all um the reason he was even able to have a good game today was because, um, you know, Brett Rippon was giving him opportunities, but it's just not the same the way that they're us utilizing skill talent over there as, as opposed to here. Um, Mike McDaniel has done a phenomenal job in Miami. Um, granted, he does have the two fastest receivers in the league, but um, just that offense generals looked good, even with two us looking super banged up. I just feel like um, I hate to be negative, but we made the we made the wrong decision, and it's all I'm not gonna lie. It's always been in the back of like my gut. I've always I've had a gut feeling that when we brought in Hackett, 
Um, I, I disagree with the people saying that we brought him, him in just to get Aaron Rodgers. Um, that's just a boneheaded argument. But that that hire feels like it was more like a, um, more like a, like an emotional, like sentimental, uh, like bring like hire by uh, Peyton. I don't feel like Hackett show, like showed at all from his uh, previous play calling experience any type of schematic and offensive upbringing in this league. Um, he was carried by Mike LaFleur. He did not call plays. Um, he called plays in Jacksonville, and it looked garbage. Um, I mean, uh, I wouldn't uh, – He, t- I mean, he took Blake Bortles to an AFC championship. I wouldn't really consider that horrible. but Fair, but <laughs> I don't know how much we can put that all on him. Um, I mean, I don't know what else you can put it on. I mean, it, it was Blake Bortles, and the, uh, Blake Bortles went – right back to looking like Blake Bortles right after he left. So Yeah, I mean, but you could say the same thing about, you know, Josh Allen and Brian Dable, but then Brian Dable leaves and Josh Allen still Josh Allen. Um I mean Nathaniel Hackett wasn't out there throwing the passes. Um I don't know. There there's an argument to be made there, but I, I don't know. I don't don't know what it's gonna look like here from uh, from here on out with Nathaniel Hackett. Um I don't I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Um, Jerry Judy, he looked like the receiver that we want him to be today. Um, that was really good to see. Um, the defense balled out. Draymond Jones had one of his best games of the season. Um, he had back-to-back sacks and was creating pressure. Um, unfortunately, Baron Browning was ruled out of the game with the hip injury. Um, we did see him uh, sitting, standing on the sidelines, though. Um, it didn't look like he went to uh, went to a locker room and then never came back. So maybe that uh, that's an encouraging sign. Um Mike Boone left the game, and also another that reminds me another big uh, part of the game today that not too many people talked about. Um, the running game just does not have any explosiveness to it. Javante, the the loss of Javante Williams just hurts even more. Um, it would have helped to have you know a solid running game behind your backup quarterback and Brett Ripon, but that just wasn't there today. Um, that was a simple two yard run from Latavius Murray. That was basically. Um, almost a walk-in for him uh, to the left side. There was our only touchdown of the game. But there was just no explosiveness to the run game. We saw a few good uh, plays from Mike Boone, which Mike Boone deserves a spot on this roster and deserves more touches. But obviously, you know, he's injured now. But, yeah, um, from from here on out, uh, really all I can say is maybe uh, a change of play calling can help this team. But, um, you know, that's not the reason I'm out on Hackett. The reason I'm out on Hackett is this this – team should be uh playing a much better offensively um i don't care even that russ wilson was out today um today changed my mind um i just don't see long-term hackett being the answer for this franchise um yeah and i want to touch on a few things that you brought up uh starting with hackett and just the hiring process i would definitely think the i definitely agree the interview process was definitely uh well and now looking back on it well and not even looking back on it this is uh these are things that i think both you and i agreed on or even during the during the head coaching cycle was uh mike mcdaniel not getting interviews um those were definitely questionable decisions but um i as far as Hackett being an emotional hire, I mean, and th- this is just one thing I never do is I'm not going to speculate on 
someone else's reasoning when we if i wasn't able to if i wasn't in the room to hear the conversations that were had on why hackett was hired i'm not going to speculate on uh peyton's reasoning it was reported that he interviewed very well and um and i can and i can under and that's that is my I, i will agree with that as far as um i don't i don't agree with I would never, I, I don't, to put it blatantly, I don't give a shit how good of a quote unquote leader a guy is. Um, and we, and that's just because we've talked about this on here before is I don't think leadership and all of the, the touchy, like feel good off field stuff. I don't think that all of that or any of it for that matter, I don't think that translates on field. Um, I may sound like an old head right now, but I think, um, and you look at, for example, and I'm not taking anything away from Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur. I'm not taking anything away from them from a leadership stance. But, I mean, look at the most successful, and I, maybe not this year, uh, but just previously, look at the most successful head coaches in the league. We also, all of those coaches, we also would put them in the same conversation sch- uh, schematically. As, as far as who I, I would say, who's probably the most uh, schematically gifted in the league, Shanahan, McVeigh, LaFleur, all of them came from the same system. Andy Reid, all of them are up in that same uh, category slash tier list. And even uh, and neither or none of those guys have leadership skills that like really stand out to me. Uh, Mike McDaniel, O'Connell, they're up there already. Uh, none of those guys have leadership skills that stand out to me. Uh, they, they aren't like hack it is. And just that, that's, that proves the point that I've been saying for not, not only this season for years is that that leadership doesn't, I mean, it, it's, you know, the plays in your playbook and the talent on your roster that makes you win football games, not this feel good leadership shit. It just, it doesn't matter. Um, and too i think that's why you see guys like uh i I think that's why you see guys like bill belichick succeed and then matt lafleur sean mcveigh all the guys that i just listed that's why you see guys like those succeed because they they have two things they are extremely schematically gifted and uh, i mean they're geniuses on that side of the ball and then b they have talented rosters and i would even say uh i would even say that our our roster is even more talented than some of those other guys's and we still can't produce offense. So that, and that, that really shines a light on, I think the structural issues of the offense. Um, and I agree. I just hack it as not a long term. I, I don't think I don't see him as a long-term solution for this team or even a short-term one. <laughs> uh, I think he is uh, not only a, not a solution. I think he's, I think he's holding this team back and, uh, but, and then leaving off on the coaching aspect, uh, going over to Jerry Judy, um, I, I mean, I can definitely understand where you're coming from. And this has been my stance, I'd say, for the past few weeks on here with Jerry is yes, I think he has all the potential to become a great receiver. But, I mean, we're, you know, we're entering his third year at this point. Uh, or, yeah, third year, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, so we're entering his third year and I know he's struggled on and off with injuries, but, and, and his quarterback situation, play calling situation hasn't been great. I can understand all of that, but 
it, it just, and just like Locke, um, regardless of what, and I, I'm not trying to bring, bring in Drew Locke just because of my bias, but I mean, I, I would, I would, in my opinion, I would, I would argue that he did not have a fair, uh, have a fair chance or, um, just the circumstances around him while he was in Denver. I don't think he had it fairly either, but I mean, my biased agenda, which is mostly a troll anyways, my bias aside, after last year, I, I knew that rolling with Locke was not the answer. I knew he wasn't the answer, and I, and I knew that well before. Um, and yes, he had a shitty set of circumstances here, but at some point, and this is what everybody in the fan base said, uh, at some point, you just have to see production, which I agree with. And I don't understand why that uh, why all of the the empathy and the, the patience that we're giving to Jerry that people still believe he's going to become this top top 10, top 15 receiver. I don't know why that patience is being afforded to Jerry that it is that or that it wasn't afforded to Locke. Um, because that that's my stance is just I know Jerry has definitely not had a, a fair set of circumstances here. But but even then, uh, why is Sutton producing but Jerry isn't? I mean, obviously, this is kind of a shitty day to say that because Sutton was a non-factor today. Um, but we, I think we kind of all expected that. And I said this, I believe I said this on the last pod, is that if, if Rippon starts, Jerry's going to have a bigger day. If Russ starts, Cortland's going to have a bigger day. Um, and you see the flashes with Judy, but I could say the same about a player like Drew Locke and multiple other players we've had in the past. You see the flashes, they're there. They have the potential, but they have to put it together to be able to perform on a consistent basis. And that's just not something we've seen from Jerry um, as much. And then I'm kind of getting carried away from just like how this relates to the game today. But um, with all the reports about him coming out that he's being shopped and teams are interested, I'm at the point where I think trading him is far and away the best option you have. I don't really know what his value looks like at this point. Um, but if you can get, I I think a day two pick would probably be a huge stretch at this point. I heard people saying a third and fourth. A third and fourth, I if we get a third and fourth today, I I'd say get, give him up. I I get his ass on a plane tomorrow. I uh, I th- I think that's a perfectly acceptable package in return from him, uh, or in ter- in return for him, uh. And I just, I, I think at this point you gotta, because I, you gotta realize that there is the chance that let's say next year, uh, we get a new head coach. The offense looks great. Russ looks 10 times better, but Jerry is still not performing on a consistent basis. Um, if that's the case, then like, you know, something like then we're sitting with Jerry, uh, at the end of his contract and we're not going to be able to get anything out of it. So, In my opinion, and you know what, if we end up trading him away and he goes and goes off, great for him, great for the team that he goes to. And, you know, it's just, I guess it's a case of uh, right place, wrong time. But um, I just, at this point, I'm at the point with Jerry where, yes, I still believe in him. But 
we are at the point where we just haven't seen consistent production. So I think trading him and like getting rid of him and getting something in return while his value is still somewhat respectable. I think that's the move here. Um, but hopefully uh, with Russ coming back here, hopefully they're for the London game or after the bye. Um, I mean, I, I'm hoping that this offense can find some way to turn it around, but if we don't see a change in play calling, then I just don't see it happening. Um, well, I think going back to the Drew Locke thing, I think it's really unfair to compare a quarterback and a wide receiver. Um, I, I just feel like the expectations for a quarterback are way higher because that's what all in all is going to, that's what's going to make your offense succeed. And then Jerry Judy is just always, always, always open. That's something you can't deny. I mean, it doesn't matter really who he's going up against. Um, I, I can't really remember the last time he was like bottled for a whole game. Um, I, I, I just feel like when you have a wide receiver that's always that open, um, you have you have to get them the ball. And when he when you do get him the ball, um, he, he's making he's making plays. And his just like level his level of route running and separation is uh, something that is like very highly regarded in the NFL. I mean, you got. You got DBs and wide receivers watching his tape. That's that, that's how good he is. Um, I'm just someone who personally believes in Jerry Judy a lot. Um, if he had a if he had the chemistry down, um, he would be a re- he would be a big time player. Um, I well, think in this league, and it's just you got to put it all on the off the whole offense as a whole. I feel like it's unfair to just like target Judy individually. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Well, and, and yeah, and I, I I think that's completely fair, but that's kind of my point. Like the chemistry isn't there; um, it hasn't been there with really. I and I, it's actually kind of mind-boggling that the chemistry has looked better with Brett Rippon, and I would say the chemistry uh, between him and Drew Locke even looked better. Yeah, and him and crazy. Teddy Bridgewater looked better than has than it has with Russ, and that's kind of my point is just the chemistry isn't there. And then too, and that's what I mean. Like you see so many times where he is open, uh, but he doesn't get the ball either. And I'll give it, I'll give it to you. Yeah. A lot of times it's on an inaccurate pass. Uh, and then, but there are, there is also a ton of times. And like I said, I've gone back and watched the film uh, where it's just a simple miscommunication between Russ and Jerry. And, obviously we don't know what the read was on that play. We don't know what the route was on that play. So a lot, there are a lot of plays where we're not exactly sure where Jerry's supposed to be and where Russ is supposed to put the ball. But if you're, I mean, if we're going to go under the assumption that it's on Russ every time, that's kind of hard for me to believe that. I mean, like a, uh, how many years has Russ been in the league? Like uh, 10 plus. Yeah. 10. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to believe that a 10 year vet, is getting this chemistry like on the miscommunications it's kind it's i mean it has to be on either the quarterback or the receiver it's got to be one of them on just on a play-to-play basis if there's miscommunication it's got to be on one of them and it's really hard for me to believe that and i'm not saying that russ is perfect i'm not saying that it's never happened but it's happened so much to the point to where it, it seems like jerry is more often than not on on the on a completely different page than Russ is, and it's hard for me to believe that a ten-year vet, veteran quarterback is the one getting these reads wrong rather than a third-year wide receiver. It's also more crazy that this happens more frequently, like you said, with Russ rather than with Drew Locke and Brett Rippon. Because I th- I don't know it. It seems like it's just a, a chemistry thing, and 
you can't put that like on Judy's individual skill talent. And I feel like if we can work this thing out, if if Russ and Judy can put in the same work that Russ and Court put in, they could be a, a dynamic duo. And then, you know, when you add that to the chemistry of Sutton and Judy, that's going to be really hard for defenses to guard. And I feel like if we can get that down, then, you know, there won't be a point in trading Jerry Judy. Um, but obviously, we don't have that down right now. Um, I don't know why this is an issue with a, lo- with a long offseason. Um, you know, since the day we acquired him, we, they should have got this chemistry down then. Um, him and him and court did it. Um, obviously it's easier to have court as a more reliable target just cause he's much taller and, um, he's more, he's much more physical. Like his size gives him that ability. It's, it's harder to do that with Judy. Um, it, it's, it's just wild to me because I feel like Judy, yeah, I mean, has, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. It's just, I, and I understand. And that's like, you're totally right. There are so many plays where, Judy is just running wide open on film, but it's if he is running that wide, if he's running that wide open that consistently, why is he not getting the ball more than Sutton? Uh, and yeah, it's just the obviously trust. the chemistry I think it's trust is, too. The it, well, exactly, and I, in my opinion, I just I'm one of those people. I think there's a reason for everything. You can clearly see that Russ trusts Cortland way more than any other receiver on the team. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, like that, th- this is where I'm coming from. There's got to be a reason for that. Yeah, um, you can't. You, you, like I, I, I just don't understand. And then like the chemistry and the time, like the, the Court and Judy are both in practice every day. You know, it, it's. Why is it, why is it so, and even that, like, that's what I mean. Even like the, the degree that it's at, it's like Russ and Jerry just have no, like, it's not bad chemistry. It's not average. It's not that it's just not as good as him in court. It's awful. They like, they just can't get the ball to each other. Like Russ cannot get the ball to Jerry and Russ for whatever reason cannot get on or, and Jerry can't get on the same page as Russ. We've seen it through seven or yeah, through uh, six weeks. And I just don't understand why it is so much easier for Russ and Court to have that chemistry. And Jerry can't even get a, like, he just can't even get a ball when I, or maybe one, maybe two. And like, and even like the one play that, uh, the one play last week that Jerry stood out on was Russ improvising and just making something happen, happen and scrambling out of the pocket. I mean that was a completely broken down play. So yeah. it was. It, I mean it wasn't like the. I I think that was just. That w- it wasn't how the play was designed. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like there was any chemistry involved there. Uh, it, it's just, I, I I don't know how you can justify, and that's what I'm trying to get at is just like why is the chemistry not there with him and Judy? He's running wide open. Court isn't, and that's the thing. Well, and that's the thing. Court is a—he's your prototypical big body X receiver that's going to go up and catch 50-50 balls. He's gonna like—he's not going to get outstanding amounts of separation on a play-to-play basis. That's just not the type of receiver he is, and, and that just makes it even more puzzling. Um, why, like, why do Russ and Court have this chemistry, but him and Jerry don't? And like I said, that—that's—it's just hard for me. Uh, like there's got to be some someone to blame there and it's just really hard for me to believe that that even in the majority of the time that that is coming at the fault of a 10-year veteran quarterback and a a future hall of fame quarterback 
rather than rather than a third year wide receiver. Um, and so that that's just where I am. And like I said, I'm not out on Jerry. I don't dislike Jerry. I don't think he's bad at all. I just think that there's something very clear that's not working here. Uh, and especially with Russ. And he just has not produced on a consistent basis. And that's just where I'm at is I think um, I think you need to get something out of him while you still can. Because yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I just I'm at the point where I just don't think the odds of even with a new coaching staff and uh, or even possibly die. I mean, I, a new quarterback isn't even in the conversation, uh, but even just a new a new offense. And I, I suppose that could be it. Maybe it is it. Maybe I'm eating my words here in either a few weeks or uh, or next year, where or, um, whether Jerry gets traded or not. But um, maybe a new offense for him is the answer. But it, it just it hasn't been for the past three years. So, well, I mean, for Jerry Judy, uh, an offense where he, uh, you know, his targets are delegated, I think that would definitely be an answer in many positions. Um, just obviously not here in Denver for whatever reason. I think the trust is a big factor in it as well because you look at Russell Wilson individually, and this doesn't have to do with Jerry Judy, but in that game against the Colts, we very much could have won on the last play had he given his re- uh, his reads and his progressions a chance, and he would not have been just staring at Cortland Sun and only trusting him on that play. Um, you can't say that that play was designed only for Cortland because that's just not how the play was drawn up. I mean – KJ literally was coming wide open on a slant and it looked like court was kind of like on a slant as well. I, I can't remember exactly what uh, route he was running, but they were both meeting in the, the middle of the end zone and KJ got there wide open very fast. I mean, he um, off the line of scrimmage his uh, his break off the line of scrimmage was uh, incredible. He got wide open and Russ just didn't give him a chance. Um, maybe that's a call, uh, you know, uh, one, another cause for the lack of success on offense is the trust. Um, but then even again this week, it's a different quarterback and it's kind of the same result. So um, I just believe that um, I understand where you're coming from, you know, get something out of Jerry while, while you can. Um, that's really the only argument I see for that, though. I feel like Jerry Judy is too special of a player for this team to not give it um, not necessarily more time, but like work more on it and figure out this chemistry because Jerry Judy, I, I'll stand by this. I think he's a special player, and I think he can mold into something if they if they can figure this out. Um, I just for me, if you trade Jerry Judy, obviously the draft picks are nice, and we don't really have any uh, this in twenty twenty three. But who do we really have after um, Cortland Sun? You know, Tim Patrick's coming off of ACL. We don't know how that's going to be for him and his recovery. Um, we still don't know about KJ. That's that's a whole another debate for another day. Um, you know, KJ, he's getting open a lot too, and he's he has great speed and versatility, but um, we don't really know his future uh, either. So um, I don't know. I, I don't want to, I honestly don't want to be a shopping team um, by the trade deadline. Um, a lot of people are talking about how we should trade Bradley Chubb as well. Um, I, I personally don't want to entertain that. Um, I, we, we still have quite a, uh, we still have quite a time before Baron Browning um, is a free agent. We have to, you know, go into contract negotiations with him. So I feel like we can, um, I don't feel like he's going to demand a contract anytime soon. So we can use uh, Gregory, Chubb, and him. Um, Gregory is looking a little injury prone. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. So um, I don't think we need to uh, trade Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb is creating lots of pressure today. If you guys go back and watch the film, you're going to see him coming off the edge quite a bit. Um, 
and uh, you know, uh, dude, Zach Wilson was running for his life today too. Um, great job by the Broncos' defensive line. Um, Zach Wilson doesn't look too good, but dude was playing Madden out there. <laughs> Literally looked like me, uh, ten years old, trying to figure out how to throw the ball in Madden and not get sacked. But um, yeah, uh, it's yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I I don't want to. I'm in the third player was uh, KJ Hamler who. Um, the Broncos are receiving trade calls. Right now, the Broncos are receiving trade calls for four known players that we know right now, Albert O, um, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, and Bradley Chubb. And it's also been reported that teams have been calling about our other tight ends as well. Um, Greg Dulcich looked really good today. I think he's the future at tight end um, for us. There's no reason for us to go um, draft, an, uh, draft another one high at all. Um, I don't even know if... You know, I love Greg Dulcich, but we, we talked about this. We don't even know if drafting one th- that high last year or uh, this year was the right move. But, um, yeah, it's, Greg Dulcich looks like a, a really good player. He looks reliable. Um, he can catch the ball easily and, and try to turn up field, make plays. Um, he looks strong, physical, um, and he, he has great size as well. He, he looks like he, he could be a long-distance uh, runner, too. Maybe he can line him up uh, out, out wide at, at times, too. So, yeah, I like Greg Dulcich. Um, definitely don't want to move him for any reason. Um, I'm, I'm guessing Eric Sauber, obviously, is the other tight end that teams are looking at. Um, he looks solid there against the Texans um, and in the preseason and uh, offseason as well in training camp. But, yeah, that's that's uh, kind of basically the the wrap for uh, today. Um, just We had a lot to say about the offense, and then the defense, nothing to say because Ezra Averro is, is still him. He's probably going to get head coach interviews next year. Um to be honest, that's that's crazy. Actually, before we hop off here, I I want to I want to bring up something because I've been kind of thinking about this the past few days. Okay. Let's say uh, we finish the year; it's just it continues to be a disaster with or without Russ. Um, and so I I think I I, I think we can both agree that, and not like what we want to happen. Do you think that? Peyton fires uh, fires Hackett after this season if it looks anything like what it has. I was thinking about that right before we started recording. Like, do, <laughs> do you think that just in let's let's live in a world where Hackett gets fired after like right after the end of this season? Do you think that and this because I and I know this was a conversation last year because this is like we were in a in a situation with Vic where it was like well he's obviously not the head coach we hired him to be, but he was the defensive coordinator we hired him to be. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously like, no, like no guy is going to take a job demotion like that. And pe- because I know people were wanting Vic to just stay as the DC and it's like, nobody's going to do that. But do you think it's possible that, uh, and I mean, obviously I think uh, Avera would probably serve as the interim head coach, um, if Hackett was fired in season, which again, I don't see any benefit from, but do you see, um, do you see any world in which if Hackett is fired after this season, do you see any world in which we just like hire Avero as our head coach with how it's, it's an interesting topic to, um, to, uh, entertain, um, I know for anybody listening to this, if you if you're hashtag firehackit right now, um, and you have that as your Twitter header and uh, your Instagram username, whatever, um, give it up. It's not happening in season. You're, you're gonna have to wait till next year. Um, 
But after the season, ah, I don't, I don't think so. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. A gut feeling tells me um, he, he's gonna get, he, he'll get like one or two, maybe three uh, head coach interviews. Um, he probably won't get the spot, um, unless we just absolutely finish as a top, the best defense. Um, we somehow finish like near a 500 record, and the defense just looks stellar all year. And he shows like really good uh, leadership, like behind the scenes that only like you know Peyton and what uh, in the members of the front office see. Maybe, maybe, but uh, my gut feeling tells me um, no. And in that ins- in that instance, because I know him and uh, Hackett are really good friends, I wonder what it would look like if he if Hackett gets fired like literally the day after um, our season ends, um, or whenever it may be, like. I wonder uh, what Vero like might be, uh, you know, planning for his future in Denver if he would want to stay here. Or how that looks? Yeah, they, they, you know, that is an interesting because that would be topic, a huge but, loss. Yeah, that that would be a huge loss, and that's why that's why I brought that up because that's kind of where I'm where I'm at. And I mean, I don't even know if it would depend on our record. I mean, I like I honestly feel that if we could lose out, and if Vero's defense continues to look like it has. Mm-hmm. I think I honestly think he has a very, I think he has a very real shot at Denver's job specifically. I, I would not be surprised. I mean, I don't see any weaknesses in him to be honest. Um, and I and that's the thing too because I, I think I, obviously I think Averro, if he was the head coach, he would most likely maintain defensive play calling. Um, and so at that point, it's just up to him to hire a good offensive staff, which, I mean, we don't know much about Averro. Uh, like, and obviously we have no clue who he would hire to be in that position, but. Well, he does I, have those ties with the Rams, which would be it, pretty, pretty nice. Exactly. And that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, you know, I think he's got some definite connections in the league. And I think that that would be something really interesting to look out for. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, at this point I would have, I don't even know who the person would be. I, I have no clue who Avera would hire, but I have 10 times more faith in whoever he would hire as an offensive coordinator. If he became head coach, I have more faith than just about anybody to hire an offensive staff, a new one than I do in Hackett and uh, the current offensive staff. Yeah. Just please bring in someone who can actually like utilize the, the, the the like the foundation the pieces on your offense and has like creativity because I'm not gonna lie I'm, I get like fucking jealous watching the Chiefs and the Dolphins like put up these big amounts of points and like yards and dude they make it look so easy and we just like we have this and you know I don't know how it's gonna look for Russ here long term I still have a lot of faith in Russ but we have the pieces we're just like we look so bad dude it's getting embarrassing like. I want to be able to put up like 30 points a game that that'd be, I don't care if we lose. That's cool to watch. Exactly. You know, it is, it's getting, it's been the same brand of football here in Denver for the past shit going on seven years now. Um, it's, and it, yeah, it is embarrassing. It's sad. Uh, I should at this point, I'd almost rather have a team that, yeah, like you said, you know, I'd rather have a team that puts up 30 points a game and still loses because their defense sucks. Yeah. You know, at least, like, at this point, that's what I was thinking to myself the other night, is just, like, I'd do anything for just, we don't even have to be good, just, like, something exciting, something to give the fan base life and hope. What's the, what's the craziest thing you would do for the Broncos to, 
be an insane offense again. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> definitely things that should not be mentioned on a podcast. Probably rated R things. Rated R things, indeed. <laughs> uh, oh, but, yeah, man, I just – any like that, and that's where I, everyone in Denver's at right now. Um, you know, there, there's just – there's no hope. Uh, and, again, I, I, I mean, I think we're all kind of out on this season. Uh, you know, there's still a little bit of hope for next year. But even then, man, like, you know, you said, I think you have a lot more faith. And I and still, I want to make it clear, I am not out on Russ by any means. I am skeptical, though, um, because uh, like I and like I said, you know, a lot of what I've seen on film, as big of a problem as Hackett has been and as much as there is wrong with this offense structurally, there are some things there are some serious mistakes that are higher in volume and just mistakes that you've never seen from Russ before that are becoming a regular thing now. And I do think that this offense and play calling can be a huge part. And so, I mean, next year is going to be huge. I mean, if we roll in next year with a, with a new coaching staff and he still looks like this, we're going to have some definite issues, some huge issues because, uh, and like I said, you know, like we are just not an exciting we offense. We are painfully predictable. And uh, I, like I said, I think just everybody in Denver just wants us to be somewhat exciting at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah and I just, uh, it, you know, if Russ doesn't turn it around with the new coaching staff or, and again, I mean, I think we're getting really big picture here, but I mean, just if, if he doesn't turn it around at some point in the future, we're in big trouble. Yeah, just so disappointed, man. As you're talking about that, just thinking about the you know 2013, uh, 2014, 2015 Broncos, us putting up so many points and having faith in this team and knowing we'd be a Super Bowl contender and um, the fact that we had a great defense and to know that we have a defense is you know almost as good as that, if not as good as that. Um, and to just see the way this offense is playing, it's so demoralizing. And for all the Broncos fans who are listening, you deserve better, seriously. Um, we've been through a lot of shit. We've been through, like, 20 different starting, starting quarterbacks. We've been through, like, five ACL tears already this year, like, multiple injuries. Like, it can't get worse than this, man. And we just lost to the Jets, who, like, historically are poverty. Um, and, uh, the, in my opinion, are still super overrated this year. You guys will see eventually. Um, Zach Wilson's not the future in New York. Um, I'm sorry. No, I, I will say Jets fans are like really cool. I haven't had any issues with them. And by the way, if any Jets fans are listening, DJ Reed is top five. Don't at me. But oh, easily. I, the, yeah. yeah, the Jets. He's so think, good, bro. Yeah, I think the and that's you know that's accurate analysis, and I think this is a good way to end off. Uh, you know, the Jets, they're, uh, I think that, yeah, I, and congrats to you guys for being five and two. Congrats. Yeah, that's awesome. I love and, Robert and, Sala. He's a, he's a good guy. Yeah. Sala and I'll, and I'll even give it to you. Michael Lafleur. that, yeah, that, that OC hell of a guy. And he mm-hmm. is going to, he is another guy that's going to be getting head coaching interviews probably come this winter. Um, uh, you guys are getting creative and I, you guys have been able to win in spite of Zach. Uh, it's very clear that that coaching staff doesn't trust him at all. And sadly, he's not the future. He's another player that I really, really liked coming out of the draft. But um, obviously, he is not the truth there. 
but yeah, I think as far as this season, you guys are definitely, I, you guys are way worse than your record suggests. Uh, you guys are not a five and two team. I think you guys have gotten a little bit lucky. Congrats though. Um, but I do think, yeah, with DJ Reed, uh, Sauce Gardner, uh, Jermaine Johnson, uh, all those guys in Quinnen Williams, and then even Garrett Wilson, and uh, we'll see what happens with Elijah Moore. But you guys got a lot of really, really nice young pieces on that team. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Jets are going to be here in maybe the next year or two. I think they could be a contender. Yeah, um, the youth on their offense and the way that they scheme things up, they, it looks really nice for them. Um, they have a, a very bright future. And touching off and uh, closing off on DJ Reed, um, I thought it was, it's really admirable what he's doing because um, as someone who's lost a parent, it, it's very hard um, to, you know, get over something like that, like a tragedy like that, especially someone you're so close to. And obviously um, DJ Reed lost his father like right before the season started. And it's just, it gets me emotional thinking about that, the way that he's rebounded and um, has used like his, uh, the passing of his father, um, it's really emotional for him. The way he's uh, used that to become stronger and a, um, a better player and just at, at the professional level, one of the hardest sports in the world. And he's at the top of his game. He's literally one of the best players in the world right now. The way he's playing, that's very adm- admirable. Um, and I think it, it's it's absolutely phenomenal phenomenal uh, what he's doing. Um, him and uh, Sauce, I already said it on the last episode, they're looking like the best corner duo in the league for sure. Um, and they're, they're like crazy young. So um, I think that's a good way to close this episode. Um, we will be playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in London um, next week on Sunday. Um, and I believe it's going to be around like 7, 8 in the morning. So you guys are going to have to wake up early for that one. But guess what? We will have you guys ready for that one as usual. We'll have a pregame episode out. Um, we're hoping to react to some uh, NFL games as well in the coming days on the uh, podcast. Um, just to like kind of give you guys a look around the NFL rather than just specifically the Broncos. I know some of you guys like that. Um, but with that being said, make sure you guys leave a rating. Um, all the love is greatly appreciated, seriously, from the bottom of my heart. Love you guys. Uh, be sure to leave a rating, have notifications on. Um, make sure to follow on Apple, Spotify, and um, Amazon Music as well. Um, until the next one, peace.